0: i'm don ennis i'm carly chardonnay webb and this is the transporter room this week a very action packed episode befitting the controversy that is hotly debated right now across the country are trans athletes unbeatable i think if you ask (laughs) chelsea mitchell of canton connecticut she'd say no because she just won two two state titles here in connecticut Carly, you just wrote about it in Outsports. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, first, well, in Connecticut,
1: to give the quick explanation, track and field, both indoor and outdoor, is done in a two in a two-meet sequence for the state championship. One week, each of the individual classes by school size in the state have their own individual state meets. Now I believe it's the top six in each class move forward to what is called the CIAC Connecticut open, which is the all class championship. It is the battle of champions, the best of the best last week. Chelsea won the 55 meter dash title in class S that's the smallest schools classification. Well, just this past weekend at the CIAC open, she beat the best of every class and won it again. Meanwhile, terry miriamwell terry miller from bloomfield high school who is transgender who who, who is a who is a transgender girl student athlete who chelsea had said in that press conference back about 10 days ago said that we have we we lose the race before it even starts beat her at the class s state final and then and then beat her and beat her at the ciac open of the weekend in fact terry finished second in the class date meet, but at the open she ended up finishing third and told the heart and afterwards said in the heart for current that the that the unpleasantness of the last few of the last week and a half or so did get to her. It did affect her
0: performance. We're going to talk about the mental and physical aspects of this story. We've got Chase Strangio of the ACLU speaking exclusively with our Carly Webb. And right now, let's get right to an athlete who knows all about competing as a transgender woman, as someone who tries her best to just block out those angry voices and those boos and who has become the first transgender NCAA champion, our return guest to the Transporter Room, CeCe Telfer, joining us. From Colorado. Set the coordinates, Carly, beam her up from Colorado.
1: Beam her up from Colorado Springs where she was competing last weekend. Cece, how are you doing? I'm
0: doing
2: well. Thriving.
0: Oh, that's awesome. How are you doing
2: on the track? Oh, I'm you know, honestly, it's like I've never left because um <laughs> after my season, uh uh indoor season while I was in school, um, competing uh doing well running all the good times it's like i never left because i'm running the same time um i managed to get my 60 meter hurdle time down like what like a hundredth of a second and not, not that much but i it still went down which means there's progression you know what i mean so it gives me hope and indoor is not my my forte, it's so not my specialty anyways. I'm pretty, it prepares me for outdoors, so I'm excited for the outdoor season. I'm coming for the outdoor season. I'm ready for the outdoor season. 2020, let's
1: go. Well, one thing I saw this time, you, you put it up pretty well over the weekend, 8.39. That's moving. <laughs>
2: yeah. Honestly, and with the altitude, I'm surprised because in Colorado, the altitude, when I was warming up, I was dying and everybody was looking at me crazy because I was out of breath with every move I made and I'm like I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I can finish this race because this is my first meet in Colorado like I just got off the plane, like I have to warm up. Here I am dying while everybody else is like, you know, moving. I don't know if I can finish it and here I am came out on top of the meet like I should because, you know, with like every great athlete we have to adjust our um, environment which is what I did and I'm I was very surprised with that time honestly.
0: Well congratulations. I'm not surprised.
2: Thank I think you. you're a champion no matter
0: what you do. Tell me a little uh, bit about tell me a little bit about where you stand because the last we spoke, you were hoping to get into an Olympic qualifier somewhere. Did that dream get dashed?
2: Um no because the funny thing is I qualified for USATF which is like an elite meet. Um, which is a good sign because outdoors, if I do that again, uh, excuse me, when I do that again, this will be the Olympic trials, if I'm correct, right, Carly? Yes. Um, the UFC, yes, this would be, um, outdoors. So this is what I'm gunning for. And I qualified for the indoors meet, but I couldn't go because I wasn't an American citizen. And now the outdoor meet is coming through and I'm applying for my citizenship and hopefully like it all comes together. And... It it's it's happening. Like my times are there, I'm hitting the qualifying marks. Like I'm I'm ready for the trials. I'm I, I'm I'm like there. I'm right there.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you um seeing you meet the Olympic qualify the IAAF Olympic qualifying standards and then possibly getting your citizenship together and what made you decide to just go ahead push for citizenship and take a shot at the Olympic trials in the US?
2: Honestly, because my, <clears throat> my background citizenship in uh, Canada and Jamaica is a little, it's a little far, it's 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 tied up right now because my family in Canada is, I don't have any family in Canada. Jamaica does not um, see me as a female athlete, so they wouldn't want me to compete for them anyways. And that dual citizenship is, it, it's already like not working out because Canada already have their Olympic team put together. And I'm calling the the IOC. No one's answering. No one's giving me any sort of like, hey, like, yes, you are running the marks. We're looking at you for joining our team. Like, it's just like, no one is trying. And here I am in America. The IOC is being. I call them. They're giving me all the information I need. I'm like, why don't Why don't I just try out for the USA, like the, the USA team, right? But in order for me to do that, I have to get my citizenship um out of the way because that's the one defining factor is that you have to be a citizen to run for america and i do have a green card but it doesn't count you have to. Well, have- I,
0: I i do hope that you'll contact the state senator um i hope you'll contact the u.s senator in your state because sometimes they can cut through red tape especially if a high profile person like yourself so check your mm-hmm. uh check your u.s senator check your, your local representatives um you'd be surprised okay. at how much they want to help
2: oh my gosh okay
0: I have to ask That's you a question. Really, no. Have have you been reading yeah. the news about this lawsuit filed by the Alliance Defending Freedom here in Connecticut? It's a federal lawsuit that we were just talking about no. at the beginning of our podcast because I heard they
2: talking about that.
0: Yeah they well, they want to they want to say basically that transgender student athletes should not be allowed to compete as girls in Connecticut or if they win their case across the country.
2: So I have been following Chris Mosier, and um, he's been posting a lot of stuff on his Instagram. And all of the, the things that he's been posting about, like, Ohio, Idaho, and um, Arizona, they're starting bills. They're talking about it in um, the Senate, and, like, they're talking about, like, these bills that are targeting and affecting the trans youth. We are talking about kids. The future. We are the society is now targeting little babies that are supposed to be, you know, um it's supposed to be keeping our future alive. And here's society telling these kids that what they are doing is wrong and if you continue to do this, you will be dehumanized, demoralized, and you will be stripped of your humanity because one question can can um cause you to to be like like violated, period. And Chris Mosier also said something. As he is reposting all of these Save the Trans Lives and like all these bills that are coming up around um, the United States, I here I am screenshotting every single one, posting them on my social media because I want everybody to, to like hear this awareness and hear what's going on because it's really crazy and it's really effed up. I don't know if I can say that, but it's really crazy that society is targeting kids now and kids are dying. Like you have to worry about their mental health. They are not at that capacity to handle how society is is um coming for them and is 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 um d- like the de- like like killing their lives. And they're already in school, in high school, middle school, where they have to already face all these bullyings and like torture. And here is society like coming for them harder. Like it's 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 crazy. And I'm seeing all of this from. From a point of view where I was in that position, but now they are doing this to, like, that's my big point. Like, now they're doing this to babies, they're doing it to kids. Like, what is the world coming to? You know what I mean? And these, and not, and one, one thing that Chris Mosher posted that um, that really got to me is that these bills, bills and these um, talks of, um, you know, like, not letting, like, trans girls be girls because we are girls. It's gonna just be the it's gonna be detrimental for women's sports in general because it's gonna take nothing for somebody to be like, You are too fast, are you a male or a female? You know what I mean? To a girl. It's gonna take nothing for somebody to look at a, a, a female, cis or trans, and say one thing and then they will be under examination. That is crazy to me. So if that is if that's what people want the world to come to, for their kids to be seeing and seen to that, then God help us.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm hearing that. Um, one thing I want to, I want to get into the mind of the athlete here. Uh, well, this past weekend we had, we had CIC okay. open, open indoors here in Connecticut and okay. one of the trans competitors, Terry Miller down here, uh, finished, finished third in the 55 meters and, and said afterwards, quote, my head just wasn't in the game today for personal reasons. People can make the assumptions they want, I feel like I gave up. I got in my head too much. Usually I'm more focused. This is just a learning experience, to be honest. I feel like this will help me drive for my next race, especially outdoor. I want to, I want to go back to last year when
0: all the chaos and the controversy was swirling around you. Can I ask a question? And you're getting hit. Can I, can I ask you guys a question? Did you hear anything happen weird just now because a phone call came in from my mother-in-law and I had to hang up on her. You may want to just ask that question again, just because okay. it, on, since I'm no. recording it, I'm not sure it, it went. Okay. Back, I'll,
1: I'll, okay. Then I'll, I'll re-ask that. I mean, I want to go, I want to go back to last year, but first talking about this past weekend, we had the CIEC open indoors, the all-class championship here in Connecticut. And Terry right. Miller had said after, uh, after the 55 meter final, where she, where she ended up finishing third. The kid who's filing the lawsuit, Chelsea Mitchell, won the race. And afterwards, Miller had told the press that, quote, my head wasn't in the game today for personal reasons. People can make their assumptions if they want. I feel like I just gave up. I got in my head too much. Usually I'm more focused. This is just a learning experience, to be honest. I feel like this will help me drive for my next race, especially outdoor. Cece, the last year as you were making the drive towards national, especially during the outdoor, the indoor season, the outdoor season, you had the constant clickbait, even Donald Trump Jr. on your case. All this different stuff can, <laughs> continuing to come around. How did you, How were you able to process it and compartmentalize it and keep driving on? Because it didn't show in your performances how much it was hitting you. But, hey, we emailed each other a lot. And you were telling me it. Was, there were points mm-hmm. where it was getting to you. How were oh, you yeah. able to... How were you able to process it, compartmentalize it, whatever you did? How were you able to mentally push through?
2: Honestly, to answer that question, there are a few factors that really helped me through that journey, and one of the one of those factors are definitely one hundred percent my sister, um, Charlotte Webb, like Chardonnay. Thank you so much for you know being by my side and empowering me the whole entire way, and you know validating how I felt because I didn't really have anybody from the trans community to really talk to. And like, you know, that, that is an athlete and that, that like really understood the sport that I was doing and you know, what I was going through and felt, And then here you came out of nowhere, boom, in my life, in a very critical time of my life. And that was one thing that I had an epiphany and I thought about in that moment where I was really breaking down. I was like, you know what, I have, I have Chardonnay, like I can talk to her and like, you know, message her and like you send me all these beautiful words and like you you empowered me and you elevated me. And then on top of that, on top of having you on on my team, I had um I had people to talk to. I had people to talk to on campus where um I had a weekly twice a week meeting with um my mental health counselor because it was very necessary. Um it was so hard. It was really, really hard. Um but when you get to the competition phase, you cannot show one ounce of fear or, or um, doubt. When you get there, you really just got to focus on what you've been working so hard for. And for me, it was never about winning. It was always about coming out on top and being the best, period. Like, winning means nothing. You can always win a race. But if you're not running that time that makes you that top athlete, then what's the point? You know what I mean? So, whenever I went to a, a track meet and I, you know, I was getting all the hate and all the discrimination from the, the, the uh, mostly from the audience for people who don't even compete, who aren't even athletes at the meet. That's where I get most of the hate, which hurts a lot because as an athlete who are waiting around, we're waiting around for our events. We ha- we interact with the audience a lot, the crowd a lot, because we have to run back and forth to our stuff. We have to sit down. We have to, you know, like relax. So with all of that negative energy around me, like it was really hard to focus. But when I get on that track, I have to remind myself of my goal, where I need to be, where where I'm going to be and where I'm going and who I have behind me, supporting me, you know? And I, I said this before in our last podcast, every time I get on that track, I get so emotional because I'm so grateful to be grateful to be in that spot, performing as my authentic self, knowing that there's people behind me that, matter that supports me and is watching me and is rooting for me. And every time I'm on that track, I get super emotional and I start crying. But then I think to myself, you need to get it together because they cannot see that tears. They cannot see you in this moment like this. They do not deserve this moment. So I quickly get it together and think execution because that's what I'm there to do. Look good, feel good, run fast, and win championships. That's my motto. And that's what I tell myself every single time I'm on that track. So that's, that's, the, that's the thought process, that's the mentality that's going, even, you know, that mental and physical battle that I was talking about that, that's going on, that isn't really there when you are struggling mentally and physically with the battles that's going on around you and you know, you start, you're struggling from uh, body dysmorphia and all that stuff. You just got to like, leave that all behind and remember the reason why you're on that track what you're doing, what you're doing. You're not doing it for anybody else but yourself. And I want to get all the way to the top. So that's what I was telling myself in that moment.
0: You're awesome. I got to ask you about the physical part Mm -hmm. now. It's been reported that Andrea and Terry, um, you know, they are uh, in the process of uh, undergoing some uh, medical transition and we've noticed i'm sure that most people following this have noticed that their times have sort of slipped a little bit from last year what's the what's, mm-hmm. the, what's the connection between hrt oh, uh, and being God. able to perform at your top your, oh, your best
2: that's the thing it's so frustrating because people are saying it's so unfair like they have all these natural benefits and like no because once you when hrt Um, Is taking over your body and your biochemistry is changing everything is different like that that natural and genetic thing that everybody's talking about that one doesn't even exist because it, it, it differentiates from individual to individual because every individual is different okay, so they can talk about advantages all they want. And they can come up with the facts. Talk about oh, the lung span and like the height. Okay, girls have bigger lung spans. Cis female born cis female born individuals have bigger lung spans. Female like cis born females are taller naturally. Like there's some really tall girls out there that's seven feet tall. Like okay, the situations are unique with different people. People are different and and unique in their own way. Period. And to answer that question, yes, I. Myself as an athlete going towards the elite world, becoming pro, I have seen that and it's very frustrating because this year has taught me a lot. I don't I am in the the the, the mental state or I was in the mental space that like I don't even think that my times are improving because I'm at this consistency that is very annoying, that my time is not go like it's not getting lower. And it's it's really frustrating because I feel like this is this is my um the hormones kicking in and I'm loving it because I'm like there is no advantage here. And like, look at this. Look at this, is this is proof right here. It's really, really hard. And if you take, if you take one day off, it's taking three, it's it's taking, it's like taking three steps back, maybe even five, because once you get back up into that endurance phase day or that speed phase day, your body is already like breaking down from all the hormones that you've been taking for that one day that you missed. Like the muscle mass that you, that was deteriorating, like the fat redistribution, it, that all is occurring within hours and hours and hours. And I see that consistent training stops, then that speeds up, and you have to take three steps back and go all the way back. Like, you have to try again to get back to that one phase that you missed. Do You know what I mean? It, it's just like it takes away so much from your body, and you have to work 10, maybe 100 times harder to get back up to that phase, maintain that consistency, and like have that um that drive to like not take that day off because that average girl is going to beat you because she's producing more testosterone than you which is the key factor the key hormone that makes an an athlete an athlete period there's no if and or maybe about it it does not matter how hard you work how how um aggressive you are that hormone testosterone if you are suppressing it or blocking it you cannot get better i'm sorry I, I don't see any studies so far that says that you, that's not true. You will get better without blocking and suppressing your testosterone. No, that doesn't make any sense. Even female Olympic athletes who are born cisgender don't even see their periods anymore, and they ha- are producing higher testosterone. And nobody's talking about it. That that's unfair to me.
1: I mean, the, those are some very prevalent points right there. I mean, I can I can I I can speak from experience as well. Going through it, it is. I mean, there are so many factors that need to be looked at that still need that still need mm-hmm. to be studied. But a lot of the things yeah. that you're hearing, all oh, the bigger lung capacity, bone density, all this other stuff that yeah. has nothing to do with hormones. That is nothing. mainly who your mama and daddy are. You're just, DNA Thank is going you. to determine a lot
2: of and DNA determines a lot of that. Yeah, that's going yeah. to determine and a great deal. I mean, and bone mass too. If you look at anatomy, bone mass. No matter if you're an athlete from a younger age, your bone density and mass gets stronger. The more athletic you want to grow up. Mm-hmm. I took anatomy and physiology and biochemistry, so I know this. I'm telling you for a fact. That's how bone mass works. The more, like, as a tennis player, like swings that racket, her arm gets stronger and bigger. The more she, the, the more she plays the sport, and the older she gets. So therefore. If you're not an athlete you shouldn't be pointing fingers and you should be redoing your research and don't be looking at one website i'm sorry mitchell but that's the, that's the tea.
1: I mean but see that i mean but those are the things that people aren't taught are talking about i mean one thing i do want to yeah. throw out there because this i i want to throw this out there because of what's come down the pipe in the last day uh there And this also goes back to how to to the whole mental process, because imagine being terrier and Drya this morning and you happen to look at the current and hear how the GOP, how the Connecticut Republican Party is going to give the three, the three kids who are, who put their names to this lawsuit,
0: the quote unquote courage award. That's crazy. I mean, well, it's who they are, right? You know, when someone tells you who they are, you should believe, believe them. them. <laughs> but but still, this is, I mean, it's
1: expected, but I'll admit, last night, I was livid all night last night. I was, anyone who knows me knows I just, my roommates kind of kept a distance because I was livid. Because to me, that is, it goes beyond, I mean, it's one thing, these are children. These are somebody's yes. kids, and they're being, mm-hmm. de- and they, this is the demonization of kids. I ask any parent. Any parent, I don't care how you what your thoughts are on the issue are, if someone no. talked about your kid the way that the ADF did in their complaint last year, where you misgendered the kids on every page and disrespect and dehumanized them all the way through it. And this thing now, which was put all over the media, all across and and, and all across the country as well. If you were a parent and someone talked about your kid the way that they're talking about
2: these two girls, how would you respond? I'll ask Mm -hmm. any
1: parent that.
2: Yeah. And that is how I'm thinking. That's the same question I'm asking. That's the same situation I'm in. That's the same mental process I'm in. These are kids. We teach kids how to hate. Like, we really teach them how to hate and how to hate others. And in that process, they're destroying others, their lives, and they're destroying themselves. And we are not seeing that, which is crazy to me. If it's not their kids, in that position, they don't care. And that's the process that's the mental that's the mentality we need to not have. We need to cut that out because it can happen to anybody's kid.
1: And with some of these bills coming down, it could be your kid, especially those bills like in Arizona, <laughs> Idaho, where they're basically saying, Oh, 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 you have a short yeah. haircut and you're a little bit too fast. We want to yeah. check your pants, please. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's well, what they're calling oh, she, for. She, she I'm sorry, she said that you might be male. Can you please step
0: inside the examination office? period it has that's hap- it's gonna... happening it's actually happening it
2: is that's really crazy to me like mm. i seeing these bills too when chris mosher was posting them i'm thinking this is not going to actually pass like this is not going to happen because like this is completely going against the constitution and like human rights like you're like demoralizing a person like this is what they did at the fr- this is what they did in the handmaid's tale and this is what they did and at the um the Stonewall was like, take, take these women's dress off just to see if they were male or female and then shot them if they were not the correct gender. That is exactly what they're doing to these kids. And that is exactly what they're trying to do to these kids, just like the Handmaid's Tale and just like the Stonewall.
0: What do you think we can do to support you and support student trans athletes? What What is it that you think, what's the message you should want to send to everybody?
2: The message that I want to send to everybody is LGBTQ plus or not, we need to take a stand and amplify our voices for the protection of our youth and our kids. If you see something, say something, or like, you know what I mean? Like, these are our kids, these are children. We need to give them the opportunity to live their lives and to be the best that they can be because that's that's the whole point of our 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 of what we do in life is to empower people and elevate and to be the best that they can be and I know that this might not be their problem or their their um their situation at the moment, but it can be and they need to think about their kids they need to think about their kids' future and the world that they are coming into. Because no matter how no matter how hard they might push that kid to live a heteronormative life, they can keep that mask on until they are allowed to live a life on their own and things can change. And they do not want their kids to be in a a, a hell for the whole life for their whole life not knowing that they were going through the hell until they are able to branch out and live by themselves. That, is good. That's, that can be very detrimental to a parent as well, thinking that they've been doing the right thing their whole lives. And then, you know, when push comes to shove, they've been killing their child the whole time. So I really want them to put themselves in other parents' shoes of these individuals and trans youth that are going through this. Because right now, it's not even, LGBT, it's not even the LGBTQ plus that is that is like facing this this like this this craziness it, it i mean it is the lgbtq because it's the the trans the trans kids that are um these these bills are affecting and it's the i mean the lgbtq community too because now there there's laws saying that even if you're an employee that is lgbtq then they're giving you the right to fire that person and like oh if you're in school and you're lgbtq and they know that you're lgbtq and you're in school then They have all rights to suspend you or, um, or what, uh, expel you or deem it as inappropriate. So it's like, it's all of us and everybody in, in under the umbrella needs to also take a stand and support each other. So this is where I'm coming with the, you know, the lesbian community. Like, they, like, I feel like some of them feel like they don't need to support anybody else under the umbrella because it's not their problem. You know what I mean? Or they aren't being as scrutinized and as bashed as anybody else under the umbrella. And I feel like for individuals to see that, like me as a trans female to see that somebody is a lesbian, don't really think that my issues is like their issue because we do the same thing all at once. One person under the umbrella is, is, is being focused on is being targeted like everybody else was in the past. We are neglecting that group of people. You see what I'm saying? I just think that we all need to, to come together as one, allies too, and just focus on the, the, the big goal, which is maintaining our future and preserving it for the kids and the youth. Regardless if you're trans, regardless if you're LGBTQ or um, not faith, don't have any faith, or if you're religious, we need to think about the future and the youth. That's the big point because they are dying. And if they are dying, we don't have a future. Speaking of the future pedi- pediatrics, you know, <laughs> I'm all about the kids.
0: And It's what you want to do someday. You hope to be working with okay. kids. <sighs> Cece, oh, it's yeah. been a pleasure talking with you again, catching up with you. Carly? I'm I'm so I'm so grateful that we were able to get CC to talk to us despite the early hours.
1: Yeah, CC, thank oh, yeah, you because so I, yeah, I know it's so early. I know it's early out there in Colorado. You're yeah, hey, you just gone through so hey, you just gone through a weekend of competition. But no, I no, we really appreciate this get, to get an athlete's perspective of what's been going down.
2: Of course, and the crazy thing is, I was asked to be on the Temperance Hall show to represent you know student-athletes, and the big controversial talk of, you know, trans-athlete and athletics, and um, Terry Miller's also going to be on the show, and so is Andrea Yearwood, and oh my God, I was super excited because I'm like, these are my girls, especially Andrea, like, she's my girl, like, I'm here for her, like, I know her, like, some of her struggles, like, you know, we were together in California, we were hanging out, like, Donnie, you know, so, like, she's, she's become something more personal to me so if anybody come for her i'm like yo that's my sister like back. you know what i mean when's the show
0: when's the show tamarind's a friend of mine so i'd love to see so so the show is on is gonna air
2: friday but they're flying they're supposed to be flying them down on thursday unfortunately they just canceled me because they said that they don't have any more budget to fly me out to new york anymore so they canceled my my part of the show which is fine because Hey, my sisters are still gonna be on it, representing for what we are and a good cause, and I'm rooting for them. So that was the whole point, you know. When's I just the, when, to when's the taping? Maybe, maybe the Carly and
0: I can go and uh, hold up CC signs. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's, it's, <laughs> um, they're they're taping it on Thursday.
0: Okay. Well, let's see what we can do with schedule-wise. Thank you, CC. And you know Absolutely. what? You're a star whether you're on TV or not.
2: Ah, you better believe it because that's what it's going to take to go to the Olympics.
0: <laughs> that's right. Mm-hmm. All right, Carly. Well, that, coordinates. Well, yeah.
1: We're going to beam you back down to Colorado Springs. Hey, Cece, you stay stay in touch with us because we're going to be
0: watching Ooh. you all the way to Tokyo. Let's go. Well, it was so great to have a perspective. Whoop, well, Carly, that sound means we have to take a break. We'll be back after this commercial break with Chase Strangio from ACLU. Stay with us, you're in the Transporter Room. And welcome back to the Transporter Room with Carly Webb and me, Dawn Ennis. What we need now is to hear from someone who's in the courtrooms, in the legislatures, who's fighting for trans rights, not just for students, not just for athletes, but for every trans person in America. It's trans man Chase Strangio. And you spoke to him, Carly.
1: Yes, Chase Strangio, one of the ACLU's top legal eagles on this issue. He was, he was part of the, of the team that argued the, the Supreme Court cases back in October. And he is all over and he's been all over the country on these cases, right? On these cases and the bills that are coming up right now. Uh Chase is the person that if you're a transphobe and he sees you coming, coming and you have to meet him in court, God help you. That's all I can say. I mean, he is a serious bulldog for justice and not just for trans people, but all across the LGBTQ spectrum. And it's a pleasure to be able to talk to him. Joining us on the bridge here in the Transporter Room is is lawyer extraordinaire Chase Strangio from the ACLU. He is the deputy director for transgender justice for the American Civil Liberties Union, and over the last six months or so, has been one of the key, key point men in the recent Supreme Court that the recent cases that went through the Supreme Court back in October of last year, and also is one of the leading legal strategists as far as... This tsunami of legislation we've been seeing, the tsunami of anti trans legislation, rather, we've been seeing across the country. Chase, welcome to our bridge. Welcome to the transporter room.
3: Thanks so much for having me.
1: Well, Chase, first off, a tidal wave of legislation has just come down the pipe. And it seems it's just come out of nowhere. We know the nexus that it comes from, but What do you feel is driving all of a sudden this immense amount of anti-trans legislation we're seeing from coast to coast right now?
3: I mean, you know, I think it's a, it's a lot of things. Um, we've seen sort of over the last five years a culmination um, and, and a real escalation of attacks on trans people, really starting after the Supreme Court's decision striking down bans on marriage equality. Uh, beginning in 2016, we saw the tidal wave of bills targeting trans people's uh, access to restrooms. Um, and so I think what we're seeing now is, is really a continuation of that in response to the fact that. Those efforts to bar trans people from the restroom were largely unsuccessful, um, both at the legislative uh, fights and litigation and, and at the ballot. So, you know, our opponents lost that fight and they, um, you know, never deterred uh shifted strategies to focus on two central things that we're seeing this year uh, one being barring trans people from participating in sports. The other being uh, attacks on uh, healthcare for minors um, who are transitioning. So what you know what we're seeing really is a culmination of a lot of work over many years from people who are very committed to excluding trans people from public life, and and they have I think found um you know a, a more favorable target for themselves which is which is trans youth um you know trying to get access to healthcare and trying to participate in sports and we're seeing um unfortunately this tidal wave of proposed legislation as you noted with about 16 bills um trying to bar trans people from participating in sports at the sort of K through 12 level and in some cases through college um as well as uh, criminalization of healthcare um, and, and and these bills are, are really dangerous. And we're seeing them, unfortunately, all, ac- all across the country.
1: Now, give me a rundown for perhaps for the people who may not be up to speed the way perhaps we've been up to speed on it is give us a run. Give me a, what are some of the most heinous bills that you're seeing out here? What are the ones that people really should be looking out for?
3: Yeah, so I would, you know, I think people should pay attention to what's going on in Idaho. I think that's a good example where we're seeing sort of the most extreme of both bills. Um, There you have um, one bill um, which would uh, bar participation in athletics um, for anyone unless they could prove, um, you know, if they're participating in girls sports, for example. And it's not just sports. Uh, you know, at the, you know, sort of college or elite level, we're talking K through 12 as well as intramural and club sports. It would regulate sports based on chromosomes, internal and external reproductive anatomy, and endogenous hormone profiles. So what that would mean, um, and the way it's framed in the bill, is that anyone whose sex is disputed, And it doesn't say how it's disputed or by who it's disputed, um, but just anyone whose sex is disputed would have to prove that if they were gonna participate, for example, in in the girl's category, they would have to have, you know, prove that they had 46 XX chromosomes, which, you know, people aren't just like walking around with proof of their chromosomes. That's not how we organize society. And that they would have to also prove um, that they had typical uh, internal and external uh, reproductive anatomy, uh, typical of, of, of women and girls, as well as uh, sort of naturally occurring hormones that are t- typical of women and girls. Now, none of these things are easily quantify, you know, quantifiable. Uh, nobody is getting, um, you know, especially in the sort of K-12 through 12, um, having gynecological exams that are not medically necessary for any reason um, or genetic profiles. So so we, we're talking about a massive invasion of privacy of everyone um, in the service of of sort of a sex testing, which even on the most elite stage has been abandoned uh, many years ago. Um, so we see those bills. And then the other thing that we're seeing in Idaho and elsewhere are these bills that would make it a crime um, to provide health care to, to transgender minors. Um, And again, these bills are so, so out of step with prevailing norms of medicine, of uh, treatment for trans people, so what they would do is they would take the very care that every major medical association supports, so the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, the Endocrine Society, the Pediatric Endocrine Society, all recommends for purposes of saving the lives of trans kids that they be given access to certain medication if needed and then this this bill would make it a felony to provide that very life-saving medication. Um, and it, in, in the Idaho example, it would actually go so far as to subject people to potentially life in prison. Um, and so I think that just gives a sense of how extreme these these proposals are um, and, and, and how dangerous it will be if, if these things are ultimately successful, which is why we're working so hard across the country to stop them.
1: I'm reading the Idaho bill in front of me. Idaho's law calling for life, in, in your legal opinion, can that even pass a constitutional smell test? That seems like an unreasonable penalty here.
3: Well, certainly it's an unreasonable penalty. I think the other thing is, yes, all of these bills I would argue are, are unconstitutional and in the case of the sports bills violate Title IX. Um, so I don't think they would, you know, survive constitutional challenge, At least, um, at least in a judiciary that was applying the law. Uh, So so I think they have major sort of legal uh, infirmities now, of course, even even if that's true You know it would take a while to get them struck down in a court And so obviously we don't want them to to you know to see the light of day um, To become law even for you know five minutes I mean if you think about the medical care bans for example, you know that would mean all of a sudden care that people have been relying on becomes a felony in a day Instantly, uh, we can't, you know, we can't have that. And a lawsuit, you know, is reactive. So we, we don't wanna be in a position to have to litigate over these, although of course we will. Um, we really wanna stop them on the on the front end, even though, you know, as you know, I think there's serious constitutional problems with, with all of them.
1: Now, one thing I wanna talk about, because this, uh, I mean, I'll admit to my bias here, this is one's close to me, seeing that I live, that I live in Connecticut, you're right now and you're right next door, just down the road this law, the lawsuit that's come through. I mean, I mean, first, I mean, what's really in your mind, what's really driving this? And second, do the results that have come since that lawsuit in actual competition, will that affect
0: the lawsuit?
3: Well, so, yeah, so the, what, what's happening in Connecticut is uh, Connecticut has, for the last seven years, had a policy for, for K through 12 that allows trans athletes to participate consistent with their gender identity. Um, you know, contrary to the allegations in the lawsuit, someone can't just all of a sudden decide they're a different, you know, gender and switch. Uh, you know, it's based on consistent representation and how people are documented um, in their school records. Uh, so what it allows but what it allows is for trans athletes to, to compete um, and, and compete consistent with, with who they are, which is essential. Um, it's also mandated and consistent with Connecticut law, which prohibits discrimination based on gender identity. Um, and it's been, you know as I noted, in place for seven years. Um, over the last few years, there have been two um, trans athletes, two black trans uh, girls, which I think is notable uh, in Connecticut, who have, who have had some success. Um, only two, mind you, in seven years, um, and the fact that their success has been deeply unsettling to some non-transgender individuals. Um, one, one girl in particular, a, 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 white, a, a white cisgender girl who, um, who has been, uh, for the past two years at least, on a media campaign to try to both uh, attack Terry and Andrea, who are the two trans girl runners, um, and to try to get Connecticut to change its policy. Um, so this has been going on for many years in Connecticut Um, you know the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference has maintained that its policy is not only mandated by law but 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 is the right thing to do Um, and last June uh, Alliance Defending Freedom which is a extremely right-wing Christian uh, legal organization which is uh, you know known for filing um, anti-LGBTQ cases as well as pushing a lot of the legislation that we've been talking about filed a complaint um, with the with the Education Department of the federal government alleging that by protecting trans students um, Connecticut was violating Title IX Um, so that that complaint has been pending since June Uh, you know nothing's happened on it except for that the you know Ed Department under Betsy DeVos and the Trump administration has has accepted the complaint which doesn't you know say much um, you know about what what's ultimately going to happen but, but then um, two weeks ago, or about two weeks ago, uh, they, they ended up pulling um, uh, the complaint in, into federal court. So now there's a lawsuit pending um, in which three cisgender girls have claimed that they're injured by the fact that trans girls can compete. Um, and, and the claims are very extreme because they're alleging that just the fact that trans, that trans people are protected under Connecticut law violates their rights as non-transgender girls under Title IX. Um, and so what this would mean, if they were successful, they w- it would mean that no state or locality could protect transgender students from discrimination um, in certain contexts, which, which would you know, be a huge affront to the ability of trans students to have access to equal educational opportunities. Um, and this type of claim has been summarily rejected by courts um, in other contexts, you know, for example, in the context of restrooms and locker rooms. Um, but this is the first time we're seeing um, a case in federal court dealing directly with sports now uh you know the complaint itself filed by the three girls um represented by ADF uh is is just a very cruel document i think it's important to note they you know it misgenders the girls throughout um it it uses the dead, it uses the dead names of other trans athletes um it uh, talks about um you know uh trans people as Uh, essentially undermining the authenticity of our identities, claiming that, you know, if if trans people are quote unquote celebrated, then a bunch of people are going to pretend to be trans just to succeed in sports, which is a completely outlandish, uh, you know, comment, especially speaking about two black trans girls who have to live in a world where we know there's an epidemic of violence against trans people and in particular against black trans women and girls. Um, So it's deeply offensive. Uh, It's not consistent with the law. Um, But then the other thing about it that is somewhat outlandish is that it talks about how the the plaintiffs, the three cisgender girls have have a sort of some sort of interest in in winning before the the race even starts, Um, which, you know, we know that in athletics, there's a million factors that contribute to whether or not someone is successful on any given day. So the idea that they can trace that they they haven't won a competition if somehow the fault of other people is uh, you know it's just not it's just not how how sports work um, but then the other thing is they claim that they, that uh, no cisgender girl can win because the trans girls are competing which is fundamentally untrue um, and and but as you noted in the question it's especially absurd given that in the weeks since the lawsuit has been filed one of the plaintiffs has won all of the races in which she competed against. Terry and Andrea, the two um, runners who are trans. Um, and, and the other senior plaintiff, uh, who the one who's been, you know, sort of masterminding this campaign over many years, came intense in her qualifiers against all cisgender girls. So she's just not good. Um, so you have one girl who's just going to lose on her own and one girl who's beating everyone. So the idea that including trans people in competition somehow, you know, undermines uh, the rights of cisgender girls to have a, that ability to compete is they proved it wrong themselves now their claims are are you know there there's more to the claims than than just that um but but certainly um the outcomes of the races um show that at least what has been uh, the animating one-liner that they've been putting forth which is that cisgender girls are told that you might as well give up there's no chance you can win is ridiculous um so um you know we we are you know going to fight to make sure that Terry and Andreas interests are are represented um in in the lawsuit we've moved to intervene um on their behalf uh we you know we'll we'll make sure that uh you know we don't let uh the alliance defending freedom and you know shape the narrative here um either in the legislative space or in litigation um because it's really being fueled by lies and misinformation and tapping into people's anxiety and confusion about, about who trans people actually are, who we are. So, so that's where things are now. Um, But it's just getting started. And, and, and certainly we're, we're gearing up for the fight.
1: Well, I mean, for, I mean, I'll fully admit, I, uh, of having an interest in this and in a sense, having a dog in this fight being an athlete. Mm -hmm. And one thing to point out, because there is the, there is the drumbeat that you're here that, yeah, I heard consistently from the ADFs people that, for example, Terry, Terry Miller and Andrea Yearwood combined have 15 combined state championships and, and that was held by, and they won titles that have been held by nine different girls previously. As of the as of this weekend's results at the, at the CIAC Open Indoor Championships, the three the three girls who are being seen, who are being cast as plaintiffs in this suit have a combined total of 15 state championships between them, 10 by one of them, Chelsea Mitchell alone.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean,
3: it, what you because also I think it's it, it's misleading. We're talking about track, right? So you could have five championships in one year because you won in multiple events. You know, it's not like a team sport where you just get one shot at it. You know, so so yes, they've been successful, but still have lots of other people and others that you know it, you know more so.
1: I mean, yeah, and also in Connecticut, there's two state championships in a in a track season. There's your class championship, and then there is the open championship, which is the best, of, which is like the meet of champions. The best of the best. I just want to know, Chase, if I'm not mistaken, you are a parent. Uh, I am yeah. a parent. As a parent, when you read the initial ADF complaint to the Department of Education, what were your thoughts on the tone that they took towards Terry and Andrea, speaking as a parent?
3: Uh, you know, I mean, I, I guess, it's, uh, you know, in general, uh, you know, speaking as a parent for me, uh, you know, I, I and speaking as someone who really knows and cares about Terry and Andrea. I'm just... You know, I just think it's so cruel that that you know, Terry and Andrea are young people too. Um, we're talking about you know, they you know now they're 17 and 18, but this all started when they were you know much younger. Um, and and they're just trying to to live their their lives. They they have been um, enduring unthinkable harassment from adults um, in in the media, uh, in public. Uh, they've been humiliated. They can't enjoy a single success without being um, absolutely annihilated by those around them Um, and so you know I think about just God no one wants that for their child um you know you don't you you you, we want to protect our kids Um, and no one knows who's gonna end up with the trans child you know I think you have a lot of people who are so aggressive uh, out there sort of just absolutely attacking trans kids but you you just have no idea who your kid is going to turn out to be. And the best we can do is affirm, you know, who they are and give them love and support. And so it's just heartbreaking to see people attacking these two young people who are just incredible young women who are, who are fighting against all odds. High school is a horrible time um, in general, and and it's already hard enough without having to deal with a, um, you know, multi-million dollar campaign of right-wing organizations funding attacks on you.
1: And, and and speaking of that, how large do you how large do you believe the knowledge gap is toward the general public towards these groups? I mean, how how difficult is it to push against that when you're trying to get your point out, for example, in mass media, in interviews, etc.? How big is the veil of ignorance we're dealing with here?
3: Well, I mean I yeah, I mean there's two different metrics for that. One is just a lack of understanding of who who ADF is and, you know, the Heritage Foundations and Beckett and all these groups that are pushing anti LGBT narratives. I think people um, you know, don't know that they're being peddled narratives that are designed to just uh fuel false information about trans people. So so that, I mean, I think we have to undo the assumption that people are hearing from uh, sort of legitimate or somehow neutral sources. Um, and then I do think there's just a huge, uh, you know, gap in understanding about trans people, about athletics, about how bodies work, about how sex characteristics work. So we, you know, we have a lot of, um, of educating to do. And I think uh, people have reflective responses to this idea that um, that boys and men are always bigger, stronger, faster than girls and women, and and, and that's not that's, that's not an accurate story, and it's a, it's a deeply misogynistic story, and it's a story that uh, actually doesn't capture the history of, of of women's sports in the United States, doesn't capture the history of Title IX, and it certainly doesn't account for trans, you know, the reality of trans lives because trans girls are are girls. So so talking about sort of the the gap in. Uh, achievements in in the most elite sports between men and women says nothing about trans adolescents and cis adolescents um you know competing against each other so we're being fueled a lot of misinformation um quite deliberately and it's going to take quite some time to to sort of undo that and, and counter it with 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 narratives of of the reality of, of trans lives
1: one thing i i'm looking again at your twitter page got got chris chris Mosier on your twitter page this morning quote the only thing transgender athletes are dominating is in this legislative session. How much has it meant? (laughs) I know Chris really nailed it this morning. Yeah. Well, Chris has been nailed. Well, but I've noticed the Chris Mosiers are speaking out. Um, JC Cooper is speaking out. Um, Cece Telfer speaking out. How has, the fa- and also for yourself, I mean, you you've been making a few rounds lately of seeing you on a couple red carpets. See, I mean, seeing you out with the trans glitterati, as it were, right now. How important has that been to have the support of a Chris Mosier, of a Laverne Cox for et cetera, et cetera? How has that how important has that been as far as the work you're trying, the work that you're doing?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, of course, we need we need visible trans people who are able to sort of counter the the false narratives about who trans people are, especially someone like Chris. You know, a lot of these narratives ignore trans men altogether or say, well, you know, you never see trans men competing with cis men, which is just untrue. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's, it, it's great to have Chris. Chris is such a leader in this space. It's obviously great to have Laverne uh out there you know speaking uh you know truth about trans existence uh that that is essential you know we need we need people to be able to uh occupy space in every field and challenge the assumption that our identities are fraudulent or that we don't exist or that we shouldn't exist and the more people are confronted with the reality of our existence the harder it is to look us in the eye and say no you're not real and so i think having to contend with real trans people is is critical. It isn't enough, you know. Just having representation is never going to be the answer on its own. Um, so it's, it's it's part of building a movement that requires a lot of different types of engagement, a lot of different points of entry, and so it's about bringing to bear uh, the incredible depth of brilliance of our community into so many different spaces and then making sure that we're fighting on every front. And so I, you know, I'm so grateful for for the leaders in our community who are doing so much. I'm so grateful for Terry Andrea, who are holding so much and they, they shouldn't have to. Uh, so for me, you know, there's a lot to be hopeful about, uh, even in the face of so much, um, you know, despairing realities.
1: Well, one thing I, I do want to get at real quick is, is where where transgender boys and transgender men fall are falling into the are falling into this issue. I I wanna get wanna get an opinion here. Why do why do they keep running the why do so many of the transphobes keep running the Mac Beg story and keep getting it wrong over and over again?
3: Yeah, so this is the the right wing it often will show pictures of Mac Beggs, who is a, a guy who's a trans guy who was forced to wrestle girls in Texas because Texas had a restrictive policy that wouldn't let him uh, wrestle with the boys because he was assigned female at birth and they had a birth certificate policy uh, in Texas governing high school athletics. and and then somehow this is being used to prove why trans girls shouldn't participate with girls Um, and and I genuinely think people don't know what they're talking about and they think that Mac is a trans girl Um, so sometimes I think it's just it's pure ignorance like people don't know trans uh, masculine people exist and so they 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 hear they see sports and trans and and so they put it out there thinking oh this is a trans girl um, because there's just so much ignorance so I think I think what we're seeing is just a tremendous amount of ignorance um uh really inconsistent application of the principles. so you know in the context of of mac Beggs, it was it was oh well you know he shouldn't have been allowed to compete with the girls but there was no awareness from people saying that that he didn't want to he was trying to compete with the boys um and and then the other thing that we're seeing now with the policies and the lawsuit is it only regulates the girls' categories. Like A lot of the bills, for example, say to be eligible to participate in girls' sports, you must, um, which of course is unconstitutional for a whole different reason, which is that you're only regulating the girls' side. You're policing the bodies of women and girls only. So that's just like a blatant sex discrimination problem. Um, that you can't have one rule for the girls and no rule for the boys. Um, so they're sort of, in, in essence, re- establishing their own constitutional and Title IX violations by um, subjecting uh, women and girls to uh, intrusive bodily regulation and surveillance that you know the boys' side isn't subjected to at all. So I think we're seeing a lot of problems here with a lack of understanding, and in the rhetoric around it, you can see how little the opponents of trans existence really know by virtue of the fact that they throw out trans boys as an example of why trans girls shouldn't participate, um, when I think they just have a fundamental misunderstanding of what they're talking about. I wonder.
1: I mean, does it kind of pique your curiosity or your concern about the fact that more and more the this fight is becoming a global one? I mean I'm looking at people like, especially the turfs in the UK, and I'm seeing pictures of Terry and Andrea all over the place. And you're six thousand miles away from the action. I mean, what what's a? Do you just shake your head sometimes, especially when you're seeing people like Helen Joyce on your on your Twitter page, and they're ringing in from across the Atlantic on these issues?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, there's this huge uh fixation with trans people in the uk right now and the rise of the anti-trans discourse there It's, it's really profound so in some ways it's originating there and being imported into the u.s particularly in the context of sports and a lot of the leading um you know the leading personalities uh attacking trans people are coming out of the uk so in some ways it's not it's not particularly surprising i think it's unfortunate um i wish they would just stop stop in the UK and stop in the US Um, but they have a fixation with it which raises a lot of questions about well what are they so afraid of Um, and the idea that somehow you know recognizing and including um, you know trans uh, girls in in the category of girls is somehow going to push other women out of the category is, is is absurd it's no more absurd than the idea that if you let you know if same-sex couples marry then somehow different sex couples marriages will be compromised you know it's like there's not you know we're not talking about some you know limited access to the category of woman just like we weren't talking about some limited access to the category of marriage Um, you know it's there's not some you know dwindling number of people who can get in before people are starting to be pushed out and so um, I think I think really it comes from deeply internalized misogyny and efforts to police and surveil the categories um that that are really animating this and, and for whatever reason we've seen it um you know grow and develop in the UK. Uh, I think the UK has a long history of of colonialism and imperialism and so this sense of entitlement over naming and controlling categories of identity and borders is is, you know, inherent to the UK experience in a lot of ways. And so perhaps that's why we're seeing it there. And then they're bringing it they're you know, they're exporting it elsewhere. And, and now we're dealing with, you know, Helen Joyce, who's, you know, obsessed with me for no reason. Um and, and, and I think we're just gonna have to contend with the fact that this is where the discourse is. It also aligns very closely with the rise in fascism um, and right-wing governments. You know, you can see it in Brazil, you can see it in Eastern Europe, um the whole notion of gender ideology uh as sort of attacks on quote unquote gender ideology is has been has been you know that's we're seeing it with the rise of, of right wing fascism um because they're connected it's 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 about maintaining control over the family, over the body, over uh, a binary notion of um you know sexual complementarity uh so you know if trans people are seen as a threat to that, then it, you know when you have this this set of political paradigms. Um, expanding throughout the globe, then we're going to see efforts to repress and and really abolish trans existence.
1: Uh, I mean we're getting short on time, so last question right here. Uh, uh, on a personal note, for yourself, you've been at you've been at it nonstop. It seems, especially over this last year, preparing for October and now the battles that are being fought right now. What keeps you going? What what gives you the spoons to keep pushing? What keeps you going?
3: You know, I, I just feel like this is, this is my job. It's my job. I have access to, uh, you know, information, um, to legal advocacy, to um, the ways in which government and United States is operating. And it feels like it's, Uh, you know my imperative to keep fighting for the community and I'm not always going to do it right but I certainly am not going to give up Um, and it is relentless and it is exhausting but um, you know if I don't take the hit then they're going to trickle down to people who have way way less access um, to you know way less access to power way less access to to Uh, structurally fighting back and so and they already are obviously our community is under attack the people who experience the brunt of it are not people who are white like me who are lawyers like me who are trans masculine like me you know it's it's being exacted on the bodies of black and brown um, trans folks and trans women in particular and so um, it feels like of course I have to have to fight where I can and um, I'm so inspired by you know my community my clients people that I get to work with And, and so you know maybe every so often there are days where it feels undoable but then you know I just I, I think about all the people who have taught me so much and I get up and I fight again
1: well Chase you just hey you keep putting them up you keep fighting we stand shoulder to shoulder with you we stand in solidarity with you thank you for joining us on the transporter room
3: Thanks so much for having me and I look forward to keeping fighting and hopefully we can can do right by our community.
1: Now we're going to beam Chase back down to New York to continue the fight.
0: Great interview, Carly. I'm so glad that Chase made time for us. And I hope that people are following him on Twitter. We'll make sure we put all the links to Cece and, and to you and to me and to Chase and the ACLU on our Facebook page, The Transporter Room. And we're also on Twitter, of course, at TransporterRM on Twitter. So Another Carly, Twitter link
1: to put up, put up Chris Mosiers because Chris. Oh has been, yeah, uh, Chris has see been hot talking fire. About him. Chris has been hot fire for for months on this, and I mean it. It's good to see Chris has been hot fire on it, and hey, he's been putting a lot of people to task. But yeah, hey, let's talk. Hey, let's talk some sci-fi. What are you grooving to?
0: Still Picard. I'm still. Reuven and Picard, the latest episode oh. was a bit offbeat, a little funny, a little weird, but it was a Seven of Nine episode. And I love Star Trek Voyager, which premiered, by the way, 25 years ago last month, and Seven of Nine made her return to Star Trek with Star Trek Picard. Have well, you seen any episodes yet? I haven't yet? seen any. I, 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 I just got CBS All Access this
1: morning. Okay. <laughs> I finally broke down and got it. I finally right. broke down and spent the money and, and spent the fee and got it because I because I'm tired of everybody talking to Picard. But something I am grooving to, not exactly science fiction, but really well done, is the new Amazon Prime is Amazon's new um new serial, Hunt the Hunters.
0: Oh yeah, I I've I've seen the promos with um Al Pacino, but I have not yet actually watched an episode yet. I just I finished don't... season 1 of The Menno High excellent. Castle. I just finished season 1 of Catching Up. I will, say, I will up.
1: say that that's a that is an excellent. The Hunters is on par with that. It's not quite as good, but it's on par with it. And I'll say this is the best this is some of the best Pacino I've seen of him in 15 years. Got it. And I think I mean it's it's worth at least giving it a look. All but right. warning, It is Tarantino-esque and a little bit over the top.
0: Okay. And will you check out Picard and maybe I remember what, Absolutely. Uh, what what um what Christina Carl recommended Lost in Space also a great oh movie. I've I've been all
1: about Lost in Space since it came back.
0: That's right, it's good, really well done, God, awesome. All right, well that's all we have time for this week. It's great cruising the galaxy with you, Carly, and I expect that we'll have another episode next Wednesday. Our new day is now every Wednesday on Outsports platform. Thank you so much for tuning in. And again, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Carly, steady as she goes. We're back to five.